You can make any day a Wednesday if you have a glass of wine. Better yet, get together with girlfriends and open a bottle together. The best part is the conversation after the conversation because I know all of you will relate to the story of an ordinary working woman doing extraordinary things. Let's join the conversation at Women Work and Wine Wednesday right now. This week is a fun week. Um, when is there not a good week when you're sitting down with girlfriends talking about wine? Uh, but I'm with Sandy Lamb with Altitude Business Coaching. We met at a consultant roundtable where we realized that we're trying to do the same thing in the world. Um, pretty much just helping women to um, raise the, their, their whole level of leadership and step into who they are. But I'm gonna let you tell it your way. Your background, Sandy, you know, in business, mm-hmm. which included a lot of moving around, and then how you landed with Altitude Business Coaching. Okay, sounds good. So I was 27 plus years in corporate America. I worked for a privately held engineering and construction company. And I worked all over the country, like uh, Donna said, in various different business lines and various different business functions. My mm-hmm. background is I have a bachelor's in economics and an MBA. So very much business focused. Did every business in every business, uh, if you would, in the company from marketing, business development to all that, and then yeah. ultimately landed in program and project management. But I worked on signature projects all over the country. So I worked in at the Nevada test site doing homeland security technology and training first responders wow. to working in Florida at a nuclear plant and actually up upgrading the uh, the megawatts that they had there at the nuclear plant in project management to the final job that I had was here in Pueblo, Colorado uh, as a program manager for the Department of Defense destroying chemical weapons. So wow. really cool, very sick, you know, signature projects, like very fulfilling projects, but yet I still felt unfulfilled. Well, what was it? What created, what was the feeling in that unfulfillment? The, the feeling of unfulfillment came because I do have a business background and so, and I'm also for those that follow disc profiles and stuff, I'm very much of an eye, intuitive and, and nurturing and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to spend all my time with the people yeah. and not working on the technical aspects of the project. So that's what I did. I mean, I had the luxury of having another technical project manager that worked alongside of me so that he, he really focused on the project and I spent all my time on the people. And that's really where I felt the disconnect and I thought, this isn't really what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a shame that it took me that long to figure it out, but I mean, it was a great opportunity. It was, you know, great for my kids to be able to move around the country and all of that. But also, as we talked about, you know, it, it came time they were sacrificing for me and this was really a time for me to sacrifice for them and, and to really put my family first. So I I started stro- I started striving to find my work-life blend and, and ha- find a way to stay home with the kids uh, when they were all teenagers, which was really scary, because yeah. I thought, are they really gonna want me around? But as it turns <laughs> out, a year later, they actually love having me at home. Good. So, uh, but yeah, it was a matter of not moving again with the company, yeah. and, really, and really feeling like, I told you, Colorado feels like home, and my husband and I really like it here, and my kids have thrived here, so. Oh yeah, it's a great place, and I, I, I love that you've come up with another word. You know, we, we talk about balance now and we always laugh because there's no way you can balance right, at all. exactly. But you're blending it. You're um, creating some kind of equilibrium. And, and I do want to ask you how you've been able to take care of yourself, take care of your family, and take care of business 
in the right priority order. Yeah, so I, um, I, I, I know you're not gonna be able to see these, but I brought these tools that I use, and one is the calendar. So yeah. I color code all of my time that is considered my work-life blend time. So that's all personal time with family, or it could be health and wellness time, focusing on other aspects outside of work. It's all life. Yeah. Right. That's why. That's why I don't like calling it work-life balance because, like, you know, the work is just a part of overall life. It's right? all part of and life. And you're never going to be in balance, right? And hopefully, no matter whether you where you work or what you do, hopefully you have a life. Yeah. So exactly. they're not diametrically opposed. Exactly. I love the colors on your calendar. Yeah. And my calendar represents all of the schedules of my kids and <laughs> my husband. Yeah. But yours represents Mine all represents the different what I'm doing. Yeah. The categories so, of your life. So you the work life blend and the blue is the health and wellness. So I can take a look at a snapshot and say, is there enough yellow and blue on here that's happening? Yeah. And the other thing I do is this little diamond mining exercise which is an exercise that I do with my clients, which the idea is to draw this perfect diamond on a grid. And yeah. the four quadrants are financial independence, business success, health and fitness, and family and relationships. So it's finding that perfect blend among them. Yeah. And, I, and I revisit it regularly. As you can see, I've drawn different diamonds here. So yeah. I started out when I was in corporate, really the family and relationships and the health and wellness were at much lower levels than I wanted them to be. Yeah. And now that I'm on my own and staying home and really have more control over my calendar and my day, I really have upped my health and wellness and my family and relationships time. So, yeah. you know, it's a good way to find blend. The other thing I do is I stick to a morning routine. I'm right. a firm believer that you got to start your day with a yeah. morning routine and it really sets Absolutely. the tone. Really sets the tone for the rest of the day. So my thing is faith first. So the very first thing I do sometimes before I even get out of bed is listen to my daily prayer of the day. Good. And then I go into a kind of a meditation and then I sort of start with the rest of the day. And it's maybe take the dog for a walk and get a little exercise and get out depending yeah. on the weather and all that kind of thing. And then, you know, I schedule block time in the in the in the middle of the day to appointments and that kind of thing. But right. it's I think getting into that morning routine has really helped me to maintain that kind of holistic approach. I love that. It's in keeping with what I like to share too. You have to fill. You, there's nothing to pour out if you don't fill first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Good. So when you started your business, it was largely um, because you wanted to stay in town and you wanted to be more available for the kids. Um, tell me about why you started this particular consulting business and, and what you hope the success will look like in a you know, five or ten years from now. So, I I started the business. Uh, I got certified as a business coach through Focal Point and mm -hmm. Brian Tracy, and uh, that was a little over a year ago. And when I started that, I felt like I just got he has so much material and so much information that was available to me to coach on that I started doing a, more of a one on one coaching with small businesses, mm -hmm. and. There's one client in particular that I'm still working with that I, you know, that I feel a connection with, and that was that part was fulfilling for me. But overall, I still felt like I wasn't doing what I was called to do. Yeah. And so, just in the beginning of this year, I kind of pivoted. I was working with my own coach because I'm a firm believer that coaches need coaches, coaches, coaches right? Right. And so I mm -hmm. I pivoted in my business to really go back to my roots. Uh, to really go back to the women that were in male-dominated industry that I was in, 
you know, and kind of teach them what I learned over the years. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to go speak at a, at a conference last week in front of a bunch of women that were in nuclear power, which is where I came from. Yeah. And, and, and was able to tell, was able to talk to them about leading in an emotionally intelligent way. And, and how important it was that is, right? Standing room only, too. Yeah, yeah. So you knew that it definitely... It resonated. It resonated, and they came. a lot of them came up to me afterwards and said, it's so refreshing to talk to somebody who's been where I've been. Yeah. And so that really... I mean, that was really kind of the icing on the cake for me to say, yeah, this is where I should be and really help helping women grow and develop as leaders, you know, potentially maybe in a male-dominated industry or somewhere where they don't right. feel like they deserve a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Have you found that that women don't give themselves enough permission? Absolutely. To to show up at the table. Absolutely. I know we resonated over that the first time yeah. we met. Yeah. Well, and the reason that I developed this whole workshop that I'm working on now with the EQ empowerment and emotional intelligence is because I had I talked to so many women and all I kept hearing over and over was, well, I can't show emotion at work. You know, I, and and I was like, yes, you can. You just need to manage it effectively rather right. than having it control you. So it was interesting going through the EQ assessment and the five areas of emotional intelligence. I think a lot of people in the room last week got a lot of information relative how they build on one another. Like mm-hmm. you have to first be self-aware of the emotions as they're happening exactly. before you can regulate them and control them. Right, exactly. It's, it's so amazing how um, women can default to a certain understanding of emotional intelligence, thinking that it's about um, showing too much care or too much um, feeling. Right. But actually, um, anyone who exhibits anger or impatience is also exhibiting an emotion. Yeah. And I, I can think of several people, and we won't name which gender they are, they don't think about an outburst of anger as being... Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a disruption in emotional intelligence. Right. They think that it's supposed to be okay. Yeah. And it's not. Right. Yeah. Well, I, the story I told was when I was at the nuclear power plant and back in 2009 and I uh-huh. was in it, I had gotten put into project management for the very first time and actually had to run an outage that was happening at the power plant. And so very much outside of my comfort zone and I looked around the room full of men and they were all kind of yelling and screaming and pounding their fists on the table. So I started leading like they were leading. And it was it completely backfired on me Hand because it wasn't because it wasn't authentic. You right, know, it wasn't authentic to me, and people knew it. And so what that was like a major pivot point in my career because I said from I will never scream and yell and holler and you know again because it's not. But at the same time, the other the other thing I said at my last job at the Army Depot is I was surrounded by men in project management also, and I was like, I kept telling myself, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, you know, like you can't do it. But yet, I was very passionate about a lot of things that, you know, subjects like safety and importance of keeping our people safe and that sort of things. So things would get me emotional. Yeah. But I, like I told the, the folks in the room, it's okay. It's okay, you know. You right. just need to figure out how to manage that. Well, bringing humanness into our, our leadership yeah. is essential to getting people to feel safe. Yeah, and to follow. When you're vulnerable, they'll, they can allow oh, them to be vulnerable as you're well. You're a human. Yeah. I think I can trust you. Yeah. Yeah. How is it that we think that trying to fake our way through business is going to somehow attract more trust? Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So do you work mostly with women or only with women? How does What's your mix? So, right, it occurred to me that... 
you know, most of the women at the conference last week were, it was, mo- I mean, it was mostly women at the conference last week, but there were men in the room too. And I think that, you know, my focus is really on leaders, not necessarily men or women, because I feel like I can't educate just the women and not educate the men. Right. right. And at the same time, they both, they they both need to work, figure out a way to collaborate and work together. True. You know? And so really my focus is on leaders in, 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 in kind of corporate world right now and, mm-hmm. and going back to my roots of figuring out how to help, uh, help them lead in an authentic way and lead with emotional intelligence. So it's not exclusive to women. Of course, I always favor them, you know, and, and I want to share, especially share my lessons learned that I experienced. And, right. you know, there's nothing more authentic than telling your personal story. And when Absolutely. you speak your truth, it really resonates, you know, and right. people listen. Yeah, and are drawn to you. So absolutely, I'm I'm with you. I love hanging out with women. It's a different kind of community. But I also believe that there are a lot of men who really do care for and support women, right, in leadership. And it's important for us to 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 include them in the conversation, right? right. And for me, it's it's as much as so. We all have these um, divine strengths, right? We all have these inner masculine and inner feminine strengths. Mm -hmm. So, and there's an appropriate time for each of them to come out. Right. right? And so for me, that was kind of like what, what drew me to really working both, both sides, because I want, I want men to know that it's okay for women to be emotional. And I want men to know it's okay for them to show emotion. Yeah. You know, and not necessarily anger, but sympathy and empathy and, and all of that. Right. Right. It's more of the feminine side of it. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, one thing that has come up in conversation with a lot of different women, especially at higher levels of leadership, is the balance um, between hubris and humility, the balance between kindness and getting the job done. Mm -hmm. So how do you advise women to, or or any leaders, to, to maintain that balance between being kind and caring, empathetic, and actually holding people accountable? That's a great question. And in fact, a conversation I was just having with my husband a couple weeks ago because he works for the same company that I left a year and a half ago. So we worked together our whole our whole marriage and careers. And I told him about what I was thinking, this pivot and what I was thinking about doing. Yeah. And he said, like I was talking about it, and then he at the very end he goes, Yeah, but you really you know, you really kicked ass. Like you really were able to hold people accountable, right? And so he's like, kind of like, don't diminish that. It wasn't like you were, you know, just holding hands, but you weren't necessarily getting accountability. I was huge on accountability. But here's the thing that I found. It's all about timing, right? You need to, you need to nurture and nurture and nurture to build that relationships. Once you have that relationship, you can be as tough as you want and those people will, will follow. Yeah. Because when you get to that point where there's that trust and you've built that relationship, then they're going to feel comfortable and they're going to, and they're going to, you know, they're going to go out of their way to, to really make you look good and support you and Uh and support you. So, but it's all about, but you can't just like a, like I discovered, you know, back in nuclear days, can't just pound your fists on the table and expect, oh, the people are going to listen. Lead with, lead with power. Exactly. We've all had that fifth grade teacher in my case (laughs) who led with fear and domination. Mm -hmm. Now, ultimately, because I would sit in the front row and do everything she said and, and turn everything in on time. She softened toward me and actually became one of my favorite teachers mm-hmm. and even stayed in touch when I moved away. 
So I thought that was really interesting, mm-hmm. but that's leading with that, um, I don't know if it's a male attribute to be domineering mm-hmm. and demanding, but um, I love that you come at that from a different direction. You can actually be empathetic, but yeah. yet hold people accountable to Yeah, but one of the, the, one of the things, I was talking with a former girl that was a mentee of mine, and she's working in Houston now, and, she's, and she made a comment to me about her frustration with the lack of decision-making at the upper level yeah. in management. And so I think... You know, when you when you demonstrate your your capabilities and your ability to make decisions and you know hold people accountable, you also gain respect in turn yes. too. So so it's kind of a it's just if you will a blend, right? It's, it's a blend. It's kind of a finding the right blend, but but I think that you need to figure out how to lead first from an emotionally intelligent place, and then um, once you've established the expectation, then they can be held accountable. Absolutely. Well, thank you for giving me a new word. The blend word is definitely going to be in my vocabulary from now on. Um, I know you do emotional intelligence workshops. Um, tell us, how can we reach you if we wanted to to invite you to speak or get uh, uh, in touch with your workshops? Yeah, great. So I'm... I do have a Facebook business page, Altitude Business Coaching, and you can read me, reach me at B-I-Z, Coach Sandy. That's how you can find my Facebook page. And uh, my email is slam at focalpointcoaching.com because, like I mentioned, I'm certified, certified in focal, focal point. point. Mm-hmm. And my phone number is 240-566-2718. And I really, am, I really am kind of embracing that. I find that my comfort zone is in front of a group of people and standing up in front of a room and really being able to touch multiple people at one time. So I'm not doing as much of the one-on-one anymore as I am the group coaching and the workshops and the speaking engagements. So, yeah, yeah, good deal. Well, I know kind of leading into our strengths, really it, it's a discovery process when you first start a business. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally understand um, how that the whole Figuring process... Figuring out where you fit, yeah, where your fit is. Well, yeah. you realize at the end of the day, wow, that felt really good. Or, yeah. oh, I am exhausted. It's just right. a good indicator. Yeah. So. Sure. I'm so excited for what you're doing. I'm excited to be connected with you, and um, we'll definitely get together in another way in the future. Um, tell us the most important thing. What is your favorite wine and why? <laughs> so, I told you this was the hardest question that I knew you were going to ask me because I don't always drink the same red, white, or rosé. My favorite wine, I would have to say, is The Prisoner. Which is like a red blend. I it's so I good. It is. It's really good. It's not a cheap wine, but then again, you know, you get what you pay for. Uh-huh. And the reason I think it's my favorite one is because it, it's kind of where I found home here in Colorado on the project that I worked with. There was a group of us that used to get together on the project management team. We used to get together and do dinner every month. And every time we went out, it was my project manager's favorite wine. So we'd go to, and he'd order bottles of wine for the table, and it was always the prisoner. Nice. And so it's a great memory of just Colorado and camaraderie and really a, a good place. Nice. Prisoner to the right things. Yeah. Making those right commitments. Well, I got a bottle of prisoner for my birthday, and I agree. It's really good. Yeah. It's, it's great. A, in case anybody wants to know what to get me for my birthday or Sandy. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's cheaper at Costco, just saying. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining the conversation today, Sandy. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. If you hear about a wine you like or you just want more of this 
community. Check out my wine palace at 360 Life Strategies on Pinterest. You can find life hacks for busy women on Facebook and inspiration for your day on Instagram. Just look for Donna Carlson 360 or 360 Life Strategies. Tell your friends about this podcast. There's enough wine for everybody.